0: scott welcome back on the podcast uh it feels like i have not seen your face and in, in forever how you been man we're, we're zooming so i'm able to see that gorgeous face of yours
1: um what's new with you yeah i know you've been looking forward to seeing my face yeah, <laughs> yeah no nothing's new with me i'm just doing okay i'm just uh getting by i think it's i've been, been having fun watching the warriors and, and reading your stuff
0: Thanks, man. Always, always good to come on a podcast and butter up the host a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, the Warriors. I'm not sure "fun" is the best way to put it, but they're definitely interesting because they're all over the place. Uh, you know, one one game, they're and they look incredible, and you start to wonder, have we been underestimating this team? And then the next game, they're all over the place and and awful and completely out of sync and um, you know the fact that they squandered a 57 point performance from Steph the other night, I thought was borderline unacceptable. I mean, this is a, this is you, you you can't have a performance like that from an all time great one of the greatest performances ever from one of the greatest players ever and not win. I don't care that Luca went off, I don't care that the Mavericks were hitting difficult shots. I it's you just have to win those types of games so um that game to me was another example that this team is mediocre i mean for lack of a better term i think they really are around a 500 team you know i think there's been moments where it's easy for us to get carried away and think hey maybe they could you know sneak in and and get home court advantage in a crowded western conference um but if you're losing those types of games i just don't see how you can uh how you can be much more than you know, uh, maybe a six, seven, eight seed in the West. Um, you know, this is they're they're getting everything that they can ask for from Steph. Steph's not the problem offensively and defensively. He's put together one of the best seasons of his career, if not the best season of his career, and I that includes his unanimous MVP season. Um, just because I think what he's doing when you take into account the circumstances right now, how difficult the circumstances, the fact that he has a far inferior supporting cast as opposed to what he had in 2015, 16, in some ways it's more impressive. Also he's doing it at 32 years old. I mean, I'm 30 and it's just like, I mean, I, it blows my
1: mind. Um, so. Yeah. By the way, you had a good, uh, a point readers or listeners to your uh, column, your story on uh, the top MVP candidates in Europe. You break down the top five. I think it's a really good breakdown because I can't. It's, it's stunning. It's hard for me to believe that all the experts. A lot of the experts have Steph Curry out of the top, their top ten. Some of them, and that that blows my mind. Uh, I know we're we're kind of biased here in the Bay Area, but my God, the guys, having a phenomenal season. He's if he's not the MVP and. You know, he's probably not right at this point. He's in the top five, like you say, but he's the most exciting. He's the most entertaining player in the league for my money. Uh, And so just to kind of ignore him like that is kind of nuts.
0: He's definitely the most unique. Um, And I think, yeah, he kind of blew my mind when I was looking at the numbers and basketball reference uh, has has a, a ranking system where they they have a, kind of an algorithm where they rank the top 10 MVP candidates. He wasn't even in the top 10, um, which kind of is stunning when you think about it. I will say there are a lot of legitimate MVP caliber players this season, I think more than usual. Um, a bunch of guys are having career years. Nikola Jokic, LeBron James, um, Joel Embiid. Uh, you you got on the list, um, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kevin Durant, Giannis, they're all having great seasons. Uh, but Steph, I mean, he's having one of the best seasons I think ever really, honestly, when you look at it, uh, so he has to at least be in the conversation. Um, that actually leads into our first question really well. Um, which is from, this is a crazy, I love these Twitter handles. This is from at John EDW five, eight, two, one, zero, seven, two, four. I say the whole name because I think the, the Twitter, Uh, user deserves some credit for asking the questions i want to get their handle out there in case they they can maybe get some more twitter followers um the question is why does media hate stuff which it just builds off what we were just talking about because uh you know he hasn't even really been a part of the mvp discussion um i looked at a bunch of different rankings this morning while putting together that piece he wasn't in the top five in any ranking i saw um He barely cracked the top 10 in any list I saw. NBA.com, which does it, which updates almost every week, had uh, him tied for ninth with Damian Lillard. Um, And I get that all the people in front of him are having great seasons and are legitimate in their own respects. But um, Steph, just from a statistical standpoint, I think Steph warrants it. I mean, just if you just look at the numbers – Alone, he's leading the NBA in points scored, um, three pointers made. Uh, he's, he's flirting with the 50 40 90 club. Um, his, his numbers are similar to the 2015 2016 season when he was uni- unanimous MVP. Um, and that is widely considered maybe the best offensive season in modern NBA history um they're not quite as good but they're close um and like i said i think it's even more impressive when you take into the fact that he doesn't have clay thompson he doesn't have andre Godal, he doesn't have sean livingston you know m- most of the season he, they've been starting a 19 year old at center um when they're not starting him they're starting a guy named kavon looney who was averaging around three points per game uh right now they don't even have a center um and you know they're Draymond as good as he's been defensively and as a facilitator hasn't brought anything really offensively from a scoring standpoint. Kelly Oubre who was a huge acquisition in the offseason has been super inconsistent has been among the league worst um and three-point percentage for someone playing as much as he is um and then their their role guys their bench um has been up and down it's had its moments but not nearly as good as the bench was in 2015-16 um Steph has had to, and because of all that Steph has had to deal with even more defensive pressure. He's been dealing with double teams and triple teams all the time. Um, And a lot of really physical defenses that are trying to get at him. He physically looks the strongest he's ever looked. Um, he looks more muscular than he's ever looked. Um, And I think his mental fortitude has been so impressive. And I think I've been incredibly impressed with his leadership too. Um, he's he's always been a good leader, kind of an understated leader, not a super vocal guy, but like definitely the a great teammate, a great cheerleader, a lead by example guy in the greatest sense of the term. But um, you can see now that he's starting to get a little frustrated, but he's not letting it affect his leadership. I mean, how frustrated would you be if you go out and score 57 points, you still lose?
1: How many? How many years has Steph been in the league? This is 11th season.
0: Yeah, this this is 12th season, I believe.
1: 12. He started out. He was on terrible teams at the beginning. And they didn't. You know, he playing with guys that half of them didn't want him on the team. He didn't get a lot of respect from his teammates, and then, then he earned that. Then he got on better teams than Mark Jackson. So he's gotten through a lot of different things, and he's never shown all along the way. He's never shown any discouragement. He's never bagged on teammates. He's never cried. Oh, I'm not. Nobody's fair to me, or the refs are beating me. He, he just doesn't complain. He's, he's a great role model for his teammates. You know, just This is how you approach basketball. You don't whine about it. You don't cry about it. You don't make excuses. You don't blame your teammates. You go out and you just play ball. And I think that's phenomenal. You're talking about leadership. But when you talk, you mentioned that the, the reader that, and the mailbag guy that sent this in, say, why does the media hate stuff? I don't know if it's hate, but sort of... Uh, you know what I'd like to do is, I'll probably get some names from you, some, some of the three or four of the writers that you know and respect. And call him up and say what do you, you know what's the deal do you not think steph is that good are we are we over hyping him here in the bay area what, what's the deal because i see a couple things i see one thing steph this year is going i think he's going to the hoop better than ever slicing yeah. he's been very and, you know, getting to the hoop and finishing at the hoop he very rarely misses it even in the toughest layups ridiculous mid-range is great but I mean, his footwork to me is phenomenal he, he does that little dance now or he's more. Powerful about getting his feet set you know he's dancing and dribbling between and then he jumps back and he gets set behind the three-point line and launches and I think he's doing that better than ever so he's also uh, playing the best defense he's ever played right um especially and it's
0: especially impressive considering that he's surrounded by not as good defenders uh you know he doesn't have clay picking up more of the slack he doesn't have andre and as good as Uh, Andrew Wiggins has been and kind of a revelation defensively, you know, Steph is facing more pressure defensively than he's ever faced. And he's living up to it. Uh, He, you know, these stats kind of blew my mind a little bit when I saw them the other day, the players Steph has guarded this season shot below 40% from the field, including under 30% from beyond 15 feet on the season. Um, So, you know he's doing it on both ends. You know I think a lot of people just assume he's a bad defender because he's so good offensively. They just kind of assume that he is not Damian Lillard in that way. Damian Lillard is a bad defender. Angel Russell is a really bad defender. There's a lot of high scoring point guards in this league who are really bad defenders. Steph has always, to me, been an average defender, but he is legitimately above average this season in that respect. And I one thing that um really impresses me or i guess one thing that kind of uh surprises me um about the fact that he's not more in the discussion is the big knock against him is that his team's not winning more you know they're they're one game above 500 right now they're in the latter half of the playoff picture in the western conference in a crowded western conference um but you look at the names that are above him on the list for in the mvp discussion nikola Jokic. You know, if you're talking about expectations for your team entering the season, they're lagging far behind the expectations that the Warriors had. And I think realistic expectation for the Warriors entering the season was around where they are right now. You know, maybe a little bit above 500 in the back half of the playoff picture. That was a realistic expectation. And they're around living up to that. I don't think they've disappointed in that respect.
1: Yeah. And without uh, where, Steph, where would they be? Like four wins this year?
0: Exactly. I mean, they would be a straight up bad team without Steph. I mean, their best player would be Andrew Wiggins. I mean, you could make the argument Draymond, but as, tar- as far as offensively, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, so, and then, you know, the Nuggets are only two games above 500. And then, you know, the, the, the Nets haven't been nearly as good as they should be, especially now that they have, James Harden, and yet Kevin Durant's ahead of Steph on, on all these lists. Um, I don't think that's a fair knock. Uh, you know, yeah. I think I think you have – to me, wins matter in terms of MVP, but it's more about, you know, how many wins are they getting because of this player and how many loss- more losses would they have if that player wasn't on the team. That's why Russell Westbrook won the MVP a few years ago because that team wasn't even that good, but they would have
1: been downward awful without Russell. And right. he deserved it that year. Yeah. So
0: I kind of think you have to make the same argument for Steph.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think you can use that argument because if a guy is on a, a last place on a really crummy team and has just thrown up the numbers, averaging 32 a game or something like that, then you can say, okay, he's got a score. Somebody's got a score. He's jacking up the shots. And he's a good good player and all that stuff. But that's not the case with Steph. You know, he's playing within the team concept. He's not going down just jacking up shots. He's, He's uh, – He's like a coach's dream. I bet if the coaches voted, it would be uh interesting to see what they would come up with for MVP.
0: Yeah, I, I can promise you he'd get some votes. Um, people who are paying attention respect and admire what he's doing. Um, it's incredible, it truly is. And you look at the individual game, 62 points, 57 points. He's had two career highs, you know, his top two highest highest scoring performances of his NBA career at 32 years old within an 18 game span um he's had a couple bad games but he the good has far outweighed the bad uh and yeah no i can't say enough about what he's done um and so i'm really happy that was our first question because it was it needed to be addressed um
1: so, so your
0: questioner we
1: agree with you buddy
0: <laughs> yeah no and hey we're we're the media and we don't hate stuff So this, the next question's from at pure Dookie mist. How much time should I spend looking at Nico Mannion G league tape? He feels like a special guy with less pressure to succeed than pool. Um, I personally, I mean, anyone who has listened to this podcast has read my coverage. You know, that I I have this weird affinity for the G league. I love it. I'm the only person that wrote a big piece on Jeremy Lynn, who's signed with Santa Cruz. Um, you know, I, I've written a lot of big, one of the biggest stories I ever wrote was on a a G on a Santa Cruz warrior named Vander blue last season. Um, so I love the G league. I will be following the G league bubble closely since it's the entire G league season in a four week span, they're playing something like 15 games in 25 days, which should be fun. Um, and there's, there's a lot of kind of interesting storylines with Santa Cruz this year. I actually did a piece a couple of days ago looking at why the G League bubble matters to Golden State. And um, first of all, there's, they've, they have three contract players there. They have Nico Mannion, Jordan Poole, and Alan smiley There's also, you know, G League Ignite, which has uh, a couple of NBA prospects. And there's guys who war- the Warriors could maybe try to bring in to bolster their front court. Uh, and then there's Jeremy Lynn. that that, that storyline to me is really interesting. Um, but as far as Nico, Nico Mannion is concerned, I think you should definitely pay attention um, because he's a guy who I think what we've seen of him this season has been really impressive, you know, especially as a guy who's a late second round pick. Uh, a lot of people were super down on after his only season at Arizona because he didn't shoot the ball very well um he didn't kind of he didn't really live up to the huge amount of hype he had coming out of high school so he just tumbled down draft boards to the point where he went from a lottery pick to like the 47th pick in the draft um i thought he was an absolute steal even when the warriors took him that day i thought he was a steal at that slot and he's lived up to that he hasn't played a lot um but when he has played he looks like he knows what he's doing he looks comfortable he looks confident he sees the floor well um in limited minutes he's had i think 12 total assists and his per assists, his assist per minute is really high. Um, Steve said the other day that he played Nico because Draymond was out of the game and his best available passer was Nico. So he feels like Nico is the second best passer on the team. That says a lot. Um, So I think this is a huge opportunity for him in Orlando. He's going to be able to run the offense um he's gonna get 30 plus minutes a night um and hopefully he can see some shots go in and feel good about himself because that's what the one thing he hasn't been knocking down shots still and he didn't at arizona so he needs to prove that he can do that um so i think it's a huge opportunity but i do think just based off what we've seen so far i think he has the potential to be a legitimate backup point guard in this league um i think he has the potential to be a really solid number two point guard and you know if, if he plays really well in, San, in with Santa Cruz and comes back and is still looking good and Wanamaker continues to struggle, he cannot knock down shots to save his life right now. Um, maybe you you think about giving some of those minutes to Nico. Um, I think it's at least worth considering.
1: Yeah, one of the things about Nico, when I'm watching a game and he comes in, even if it's kind of garbage time and stuff, I get kind of fired up. And I, I sense that his teammates feel that way too, you know, because in order for this team to, to – work really well like they do when they're when they win their big games they got to move the ball they got to move the ball and they got to flow they got to everybody's got to be involved in all this stuff and he really gets people into it I think And I think he, he's going to be if he can up his game it'd be beneficial say for Curry not that they're going to play all the time because in the same position but when there'll be times they be on, they could be on the court at the same time and him looking for Curry or moving the ball around to get Curry more involved is going to be phenomenal I think I think he's an exciting player and like, like you said, the main thing is, is, is shooting, if that can come around. When Ricky Rubio was, was young, when he was like a teenager playing, I saw him playing the Olympics, and people were really excited about him because it was passing mostly, because he didn't have a lot of offense. And uh, Nico, Nico kind of has that same vibe, really getting people fired up about the speed and the, and the passing and the movement and
0: everything. He's a really good athlete. You know, if you watch his highlights, he can dunk the ball. Um, our guy, Chris Ballard, kind of a mentor slash friend of mine wrote this phenomenal piece on Nico when he was 15 about how he was the next prodigy. Um, he hasn't really lived up to that, but I still think he has that type of potential. I think he, there's a reason why people were so high on him so young. So, um, uh, I'm excited to see what he does in Orlando. I'll definitely be tuning in. Um, then, uh, the next question is also a Lee question. And this is, I think a pretty pertinent question. Um, this is from, Michael Silver's eight. Does Smiley have a future in the NBA now by Smiley? I'm sure. I know you're referring to Alan Smiley. my guy, another guy who I've done a pretty big profile on. Um, he, uh, he has the most important G league bubble of any Santa Cruz warrior by far. Um, his career is on the line, um, which I know sounds hyperbolic, but it's true. He, uh, he's a guy who was drafted with the, th- with the 39th pick in the draft in 2019 as a long-term project, the word he was 19 at the time, the Warriors knew you're at least a couple years away from being able to contribute to an NBA team, but we're going to invest in you. They gave him a four-year guaranteed deal. They gave him a four-year deal, but only the first two years were guaranteed, which means he's, he's not guaranteed after this season. Um, And it's an interesting situation for him because he got – he barely played. I think he played like 130 total minutes with Golden State last season. Was up and down. Um, with Santa Cruz, had some flashes as well, but they wanted to see more. They're trying to develop him into a pick-and-pop big, kind of a la Davis Bertans uh, with the Wizards. They, that's kind of the model with him. Um, he has some potential in that respect, but he hasn't proven anything yet. And then he comes in this year and immediately – hurts his knee and requires meniscus surgery. So he hasn't played at any level. He's just now starting to return to practice. Um, he's probably going to miss some, some G League games. Um, but if he can at least get, you know, 9, 10 of those 15 G League games, that'll be a nice sample size and an opportunity for him to prove that, A, he's healthy, and, B, he deserves more investment. Because if he can't show anything, if he under continues to kind of underwhelm, then the Warriors might not only not bring him back next season, they might actually cut him this season because the Warriors have, uh, that $9.3 million disabled player exception that they might want to use on someone on the bio market or the trade deadline. And they're completely full roster right now. You know, both two way contracts are full. The, uh, you know, every guaranteed spot is full. You're getting way more production out of your two way guys than you're getting out of smiley. Um, so he's the most obvious candidate to me for them to cut um and so he might be playing for his life and this is only or his career i should say and this is you know a guy who's 20 years old um but life comes at you fast in the nba you know like you have even if you're a developmental project you have to show something you can't just you know bank on your age forever and just i'm still young though i'm still young well guess what james was 19
1: know you get department. old early in this league. Can yeah, you imagine being in, what, like he's 20 at the same years age old?
0: Luka Doncic, okay? right. so
1: it's... Imagine being 20 years old and people saying, Hey Connor, you better have a good year writing this year, man. You're you're washed up. You're I I, I not even speak
0: together a coherent sentence at 20 years old. So I I uh, I but you know
1: but but, but Smiley Gage is he, he's played really well in the G League before. And it's, so I would expect to see him do pretty well down there especially, you know, the desperation factor and the fact that he knows that, knows the league and he, he's comfortable down there.
0: I, I want to see that he knows how to play basketball. And by that, I mean, I want him to be able to do things off the ball. I want him to, to make sound decisions because what we've seen of him so far is he gets overly eager with the, like when, as soon as he gets the ball, he just runs toward the rim and, is, right. and completely yeah. loses all sense yeah. of what's going on around him. And so I want to see him be able to score within the flow of the offense. I want him to be able to add a little muscle. I want him to be able to defend his position. Those are the things I want to see from him. I think he has a lot of ability, but you got to start showing it at this point, which sounds crazy. Cause like, once again, he is 20 years old, but that's just where he's at. Well, it will um, be good
1: for you if he succeeds too. Cause you discovered him, you know? And he, yeah. He I, your
0: guy. <laughs> actually kit Lake have discovered him. Um, in some random gym and gym in Serbia. And look, this was a total flyer when they took him. I mean, I had, I had scouts telling me why would the Warriors want this guy? Uh, no, he wasn't really on anyone's radar. Didn't do a lot. in his one G league season with, with Santa Cruz before he was drafted, uh, was playing in the third Serbian third division, which is basically a semi pro league against, you know, skinny white kids uh, with soccer goalposts in the background. I mean, he wasn't even on the Serbian national team. Um wasn't even on big clubs in Serbia's radar. And then he was drafted. So, you know, it was, the Warriors are hoping to find a diamond in the rough and it was a swing or miss proposition could end up being a miss. It'll be interesting to see what'll happen with
1: him. Um, G League's going to be a far, more fun to watch than the, a than the big Warriors.
0: Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's going to be really interesting. Um, the next, the next questions from at dubs pain tour. Uh, what steps do you think the Warriors can take now to improve the team? Um, that's a good question. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways to, to answer that question. Um, the, in, in, in a short-term view, um, like I said earlier, they have the $9.3 million – Disabled player exception they could go out and use on someone. Um, either, you know, probably at the trade deadline or on the buyout market. Um, there's been a lot of talk. Maybe they should try to use that now on a big man because they are so depleted in that front court. I don't think they're gonna use it in the next come coming days. Um, James Wiseman's coming back soon, and guys will start to come back. So they just need to get through the next couple games with no center, and and then they should be okay. Um, but you know that's going to be an interesting decision from their end um obviously that's more money on the books and they're already deep in the luxury tax so there's that um for a team that's probably not going to do anything you know they could sneak into the playoffs maybe still a first round series but it really is all about next season anyway um there's been a lot of talk about them trading Kelly Oubre uh you know there's been there's been a lot of different rumblings out there there's been talk about maybe they should go after a Bradley Beal who probably not long for Washington at this point, given how disastrous their season's been. Um, and I think when you see games like the other night where they're losing, despite Steph scoring 57 points, it's natural to have the temptation to want to go after another all-star guy and, you know, try to mortgage your future just to to maximize what's left of Steph's prime. Because even though he looks phenomenal right now, he is, he is 32. You know, you got it. You, you probably only have a few years of him playing at this peak level left. Um, all that being said, I've always been of the mind and I'm still of the mindset that they need to play the long game. They need to be patient. They have some really nice assets. Um, I think they need to let their young guys and those assets come to fruition. And, and, and that way, you're putting yourself in a position not only to potentially contend for a title when Clay comes back next season but you're also putting yourself in a position to to follow that Spurs blueprint and and be relevant long-term, which is what they've always wanted to do. They've always wanted to be the Spurs. They've always wanted to be the New England Patriots in that respect. Um, One big question is going to be, you know, there's going to be teams that, you know, if the Warriors do want to go after an all-star caliber guy like a Bradley Beal, the asking price is going to be James Wiseman. It's just that's where the conversation starts. Okay, cool. James Wiseman? Also, by the way, can we get that top three protected pick in 2021 for Minnesota? Because those are the Warriors' two biggest assets right now. Um, I For someone like Bradley Beal, I might be willing to part with the top three protected 2021 pick, even though I think that's going to be a huge asset, assuming the Warriors can get it in 2021 as opposed to 2022. Um that that draft is loaded. I mean, you look at guys like Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs. I mean, these all, all every name I just mentioned could have gone number one in this year's draft. It's that loaded. But uh, that being said, you know, I'm not I'm not letting go of James Wiseman under almost any circumstance. Um, yeah. He is. I think
1: they're thinking that too. And you know, you you mentioned that they, they've always looked up to the Spurs and kind of wanted to model themselves after that. And if you say, what would the Spurs do? they No way. No way they get rid of Wiseman. He's just, we don't know if he's going to be a superstar, but every sign is he's going to be pretty. I, I think,
0: I do think he's going
1: to be a superstar.
0: I mean, he he's 19 years old. I know. <laughs> if you look at his numbers, what he's already done at 19, no 19 year old big man in NBA history has done what he's doing. I know. I know. I know a lot of people look at it and they're like, oh, well he's been inconsistent. <laughs> he's a year removed from high school. Um, you have to keep that in perspective. Uh, his numbers are better than Dwight Howard at this age, uh, Kevin Garnett at this age, way better than like Jermaine O'Neal and, and other uh, good players at this age, Kobe Bryant. Um, and so, uh, you know, I have the utmost confidence that he's going to be one of the best centers in the NBA, before too long i think he has the potential to be a perennial all-star and what makes me confident saying that are a couple of things not just his physical tools but the warriors environment and system is perfect for him they're gonna know how to get the most out of him they're gonna have they're gonna put the right people around him to make him succeed i think learning from draymond has been enormous for him and then second of all his his intangibles i mean I hate – I feel like it's a little cliche to talk about intangibles all the time, but it's so true with him. He is incredibly hardworking, incredibly humble, um, incredibly smart, um, you know, completely not a concern off the court. Um, If you have any questions about his makeup, please read this big piece I dropped last week on his family and him, which gets into why he is the way he is. He completely fits the Warriors ethos. They think he's a franchise guy. They straight up told me. Someone in the front office told me a couple of days ago, there's almost no scenario. We, we let go of him. So stop talking. Stop, stop <laughs> speculating about that. That's not happening. But if, if it's for Giannis, maybe. But that's, you know, outside of that,
1: like. No, for a guy like Wiseman, you know, especially at this point in the season, we start looking for the defects, you know. Not only what uh, the stuff on the court that he get approved on, but you know, what's wrong with his, his makeup? What's wrong with his mental and emotional makeup? You know, what kind of guy is he? is he? Is he got some dog in him? And you just can't, nobody that I know has found any flaws with this guy. It's like, wow, this guy really wants to be better. He he knows how to study, he wants to study, he listens to the people. He doesn't get he doesn't get I'll puddle up and, and start crying when Draymond yells at him in the court. Uh, he he just sponges all this stuff in. I guess by the end of the year, forget about down the road, but you know, by the end of the year, this guy could really be a high level center.
0: To finish answering the question, one kind of somewhat minor move that I would consider making if I'm the Warriors in the near term, I would try to find a way to get Juan just Anderson on a 15 man contract or guaranteed contract so that he could play every game right now. He can only play 50 of 72. He is, a key part of rotation right now are obviously partly because they're depleted in the front court, but I think he's shown enough where he warrants legitimate rotation minutes, even when they're fully healthy. Um, I think he is one of their better defenders, especially in that front court. Um, He's one of their highest level IQ guys. um, And he just plays within himself and makes the right play. And, um, you know, I was skeptical about him entering the season. I was not sure if he was a legitimate NBA player, I think he's just found the perfect fit with golden state. I think he, you know, he, NBA is all about fit. And I think he's not the most talented guy on the floor, but he should warrant a place in this team's long-term plans. Plus, you know, talk about intangibles. He fits what they're about. He was organizing black lives matter protests in Oakland during the offseason, which Steph Curry and Damian Lee and clay and all of them attended. He is, I talked to his college coach a couple of weeks ago, Buzz Williams, who said he's, to this day, the best teammate I've ever coached in my entire life. He, you know, is an East Oakland guy. And this is – let's be honest. This is a franchise that's still trying to hold on to those Oakland roots. They, they feel bad about having left Oakland, and they understand all the blowback. It does not hurt to have a guy who straight up was born and bred in East Oakland on the roster. Um, I think he needs a 15-man roster spot. I think they
1: need to get creative and find a way to do that. Yeah. One, one thing about him is he's really good at, uh, this team is, is built their offense. Anyway, is built on improvisation. They don't run a lot of plays. They they run plays, but you got to do stuff off it. You got to be thinking all the time. You got, you got guys, you, you need, you need guys who can really think the game play it like high speed chess. And I think he has that ability, you know, he's comfortable in that. Just, uh, okay. Things break down. Now we can go to plan B, C, D. And he's, he's the guy for that.
0: Yeah. And yeah. uh, you know, I think the one way to do it maybe would be to cut Allen and then hope he clears waivers and then put Allen in the two-way contract, which yeah. is honestly where he should be anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. and the thing yeah. the thing about sure. the two-way is um you you, you hold up you hold the players' rights so they could keep him long term after this season if they want to. Um yeah. but I think you need you need the option of playing Plon every day. So I would think about that. That's the most pressing thing, honestly, to me. That's more important than using the DP right now. Uh, um, and so, our final, our next, yeah, this is gonna be our final question. Um, this is from at CW nineteen nineteen. What's your take on Ubre? If I'm not mistaken, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Does he walk for nothing if we don't resign him? I've seen a lot of stuff online in regard to a trade for Lonzo and JJ Redick. I don't know about that. Um, there was so much buzz about that report that came out of the athletic about a week ago. Um, and look, it didn't even really say much. All it said was that, um, you know, the, the Pelicans inquired about him. The talks didn't really gain any traction. It wasn't even really a trade discussion, just, Teams are going to do that, especially since he's in the last year of his contract. They're going to just see what the asking price is. That's all it is. I'm sure the Pelicans weren't the only team to do that, um, but that's the one that got out there. Um, So, my thing with Ubre is this he is in the final year of his deal. There's almost no chance he comes back next season. Um, First of all, he's been so up and down this season. Second of all, the, the, his role on the team next season would be as a sixth or seventh man. He doesn't want that. You know, he's not, he doesn't want to be a sixth or seventh man. He must be putting up numbers somewhere. Um, so yeah, there's no way he comes back next season. Um, given the fact that that's the reality, I think you have to be open to trading him. If you can get someone who can help you next season, because really it's all about next season. You know, this season, hopefully they make the playoffs. Maybe they still have first round series best case scenario, but ultimately it's about trying to chase the title once clay comes back next season. So if you can get a, if you can get an offer for someone who's just like a solid rotation piece, who will be like maybe a seventh, eighth man on a really good team next season, I think you do it. Um, I think that Ubre is starting to turn a corner, but it feels like whenever he's starting to turn a corner, he has, you know, one great game and then two really bad games and one great game. And then two or three really bad games. You know, he had that forty point game the other night and then came back and had a really bad game against Dallas. So um I'm not sure he's gonna totally thrive here. Um I'm just not sold on it yet. I'm not sold on his fit um with this team. Um, so I'd be open to it. But at that being said, I'm not I'm not it's not the end all be all. They don't have to trade him. You know, at the end of the day, they they got him just to try to help this season. Um, he's helped yeah, defense,
1: right? I mean, he's not a liability on defense. He's
0: he's 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 okay defensively. He's not. You know, people have been lumping him in the same category as Andrew Wiggins. He's not Andrew. What Andrew Wiggins has done this season defensively, I, I would say he's maybe a average, a little above average defensively. He plays hard. I give him credit for that. He plays hard. Uh, he's not always in the right place at the right time doesn't always make the best decisions, but he plays hard, um, which I think they need. Uh, he's kind of a, he's kind of a verbose personality. Um, got that, got that fire in him, kind of like Draymond, which I think this team needs more of because right now they have a lot of mild mannered personalities. Um, right. yeah. You know, the, the, the clay, you know, plays out, but Andrew Wiggins, Steph, you know, all those guys are, are just nice guys. Right. Um, yeah. And I think it, it helps to have some fire um on the roster but um you know I don't think even if he doesn't play great the rest of the season um and he walks in for agency I don't think the Warriors should regret taking on more luxury tax to to get him you know they yeah. did the best they could under the circumstances and that's all you can ever ask yeah. you know I thought he was the best case scenario at the time uh I still would rather have him than like Eric Gordon or you know Eric Bledsoe some of those other names that were floated out there
1: yeah, not, they didn't really have any way of knowing he was going to come in and just be so, so within himself, so tight and everything, especially on three pointers, just not unable to shoot. You know, and the forty-point night, he was—he he looked very confident, but so many times he just the confidence. And I'm going to write about this in
0: coming days, but he, uh, you know, he's been dealing with some off the court stuff. Right. Um, yeah. TMZ reported on it, and I actually tracked down the. Uh, the uh, reports and everything and you know he has an ex-girlfriend who's got some lawsuits against and it's been making some threats and um you know it's pretty intense scary stuff uh according to him she stole his dogs and this is all going down in recent months so you know you don't want to speculate too much but all i can say is just a reminder to uh listeners and readers out there these athletes are human beings um and when they're dealing with things off the court it can affect their play sometimes you know just like i'm sure i my work has been affected at times with stuff i'm dealing with and, and i'm sure you too you too because we're human beings it just it happens so yeah um so keep that in mind when you're criticizing him you know he's he's i think he's doing the best he can scott now it's always fun today was especially fun um You know, it was good to good good to see your face again. Good to hear your voice. Um, Where can our It's more fun when we're
1: hanging out together at the at the yeah. I'd rather
0: be having beer in hand on your patio, chilling with your son right now. But uh, um, you know, where where can our listeners and readers find your stuff if they are silly enough to not already be doing so?
1: Yeah, just on Twitter
0: at Scott Osler. Thanks, Scott. Really appreciate it.